Welcome to the Juice Box Podcast. This is episode six. I'm Scott Benner. I'm going to call this episode Leaf and Love, and you'll see why in just a few minutes. This episode is an interview. You know, it's not an interview. It's a conversation with a fellow parent of a child with type 1 diabetes. You know, a couple episodes ago, I kind of put the word out and said if anybody was interested in coming on and, and just sitting around and talking about type 1 with me, I would uh, I would love it. I got an email from Sarah Williams Curran pretty quickly after I, I, um, I put that podcast up. And she said she would love to just, you know, sit around and chat about type 1 with somebody. And that's what it ended up being. It really felt to me like, you know, when I was a kid, I would watch my... Uh, my parents, they would they would take us to uh, their friend's house on a Friday night, and you know they'd sit in the kitchen, and it would fill up with the smell of coffee and cigarettes. It was the 70s, and uh, you know we were off in the in another room playing, and you kind of looked in once in a while, and it was just my parents kind of kicking back and talking about you know their days and and life with their friends, and I, I had that real real sincere feeling with Sarah. It was exciting, and I I want to do it some more. Actually, I have a couple of more parents who have reached out to me, and we're setting things up. So there's going to be a, there's going to be more of this. And if you're interested, like I said, go to juiceboxpodcast.com, scroll to the bottom, click on contact, send me an email. All you really need is a, a hardwired internet computer that has Skype and a decent microphone and a pair of headphones and and we can sit back in, in our virtual kitchen and well nobody smokes cigarettes anymore, but you know, you could have coffee while we're doing it if you want to. And we'll talk about type 1 diabetes. Okay, let's get going. This is episode six, Leaf and Love, with fellow D parent, Sarah Williams Curran. Scott, can you hear me now? I can. How are you? Okay. Sarah, do you go by both names, Sarah Williams Curran? You're right, I do. I go by both hyphenated. Yep. Uh, and Sarah is the mother of a little girl who has type 1 diabetes. We use your daughter's name. Sure. Okay, so Allie Lou was diagnosed in 2012, towards the end, when she was three. How old is she now? She's five and a half, turning six in May. Okay, and you have sort of a little history of type 1 in your family, but not any to any great degree. A, um, a great uncle, is that on your side or your husband's? Um, it's on my side, my um, on my father's side, my great uncle. Yes, he passed away as a teenager from type 1. How long ago was that? I want to say it was in the 20s. Oh my gosh. So it was right it well it was it was after insulin was discovered but they lived in a remote town in Montana. Okay. So my hunch is is that they didn't have access to it or perhaps his parents just weren't um aware of the discovery at that time. Gotcha. Or or maybe they didn't even realize he had type 1 at the time, you know. I we just it's 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 all sort of blurry for our family. Yeah, yeah, they say that the Egyptians um were were some of the first people to to kind of diagnose diabetes they called it the great drain because they noted that you just urinated yourself to death right and that was their right. that, that was how they saw it so let me ask yep. you are there any other autoimmune issues in your family none not no none i mean my mom um had kidney failure you know not not autoimmune yeah. but she was on dialysis um, but she never had diabetes. And that was always one of the first questions that people asked when we would go to a dialysis clinic is, do you have diabetes? And she didn't, she had a perfectly healthy pancreas. That's interesting. Yeah. I, um, with my wife's side of the family, most of the women have a different autoimmune issue. Nobody, oh, nobody has type one, but there's like celiac sprue or a thyroid, you know, overactive thyroid or, um, I think there's a niece who just gets sick, you know, a little easier. Her immune system's not quite as strong as you would imagine. So I, I thought mm -hmm. that was interesting. Okay, so yeah, we don't we don't have any no autoimmune that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's cool. And, and so a little bit about your background um, before I guess you're a stay at home mom now. Well, I'm stay at home. I started a little business, but I was stay at home for, um, you know. Uh, Ali Lee was born in 2009, so I, I stopped working when she was born. So, yes, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I also do a little work on the side. But, yes, I'm a stay-at-home mom. So so prior to having children, you were a teacher? I was a teacher, and then I was a reading specialist, and then I was a vice principal. When I, I stopped working when I was pregnant, and I, I finished out my career, at least temporarily, as a vice principal. Yeah. Okay, so you said, when we, we kind of spoke a little ahead of time and we talked a little bit, you, mm -hmm. you said that being in education made it easy for you to 
kind of see Ali Lou as as having diabetes before she was diagnosed. Can you walk me through how that happened a little bit? Sure, sure. So, you know, as a teacher, I never actually had a child who had type 1 in my classroom, but I knew a little bit about the symptoms. And so Ali Lou was um, three, like I said, and she was urinating and excessively thirsty, you know, the typical signs of type one. And I just kind of knew in my gut, but she was not having flu symptoms or, you know, she was never anywhere near DKA, but I just knew something was not right. So, and I knew that those were the signs of type one. So of course, like everybody, I go and start searching online and there was nothing else that it could have been, you know, all of the signs led to that. And then her preschool teacher actually mentioned that she had been excessively thirsty. And I knew right then, okay, if, if her teacher's noticing this and I'm noticing this, we're going to the doctor right then, yeah. which we did. So I think being a teacher certainly helped because I knew of those signs. You know, a lot of people don't even know what the signs are of type one until their child's in DKA or having a, you know, it looks like a flu and then they take them to the doctor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you got her, you got to the doctor pretty quickly when she was diagnosed, her blood sugar wasn't excessively high. It was, well, it was 489. Okay. Um, so, you know, it was high, but, um, she, she wasn't having any any other symptoms except thirst and urination. How long was she in the hospital after she was diagnosed? Uh, three nights. We were at children's hospital in Oakland. Okay. Um, and then came home and, you know, started the whole new, the new normal. So, so can you talk to, for a second, having been an educator and then having seen your own daughter, um, diagnosed with type one. Can you talk to parents for a second about how they can speak to their schools um, about diabetes? Because I'm assuming that someone someone helped you understand what this was all about long before it was in your life. Was it training that the school gave you? Was it training that a, that a past student kind of brought to the school? How did you get that information? It's a really good question. I don't really know how I knew that because I didn't have a student who had type one. Um, I, we, there was never any, any training at our school, but what I can tell you now as a parent, you know, on the other side of the table, Mm -hmm. um, when I had been a teacher before, and I think, you know, a lot of people, if not everybody in the type one community knows that the awareness is still pretty limited. And, um, what I think is really important is when I go in to have my daughter's 504, I think because I was in education, I feel a little more comfortable being kind of assertive and um, really expressing how important it is for people to know not only how to treat a child with type 1, but also to know the signs of type 1 so that we can avoid the DKA. So what do you think happens when there are so many people? I mean, first of all, there's a lot of people who have good relationships with their schools, but you, you hear yeah. a lot online about people who don't. Uh-huh. What do you think happens in that moment? How does it become adversarial? Do you, do you That's th- a really good question. I think it becomes adversarial because this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that when you live with type one, you know how volatile it is and you know how serious it is. And I think that a lot of people in education really don't know because they haven't been exposed to it. And so they don't feel like parents oftentimes don't feel like they're being heard when they come to the school, you know, when their child is first diagnosed, to to explain all of this and to sit down with the 504. If you're lucky enough to have a school nurse, as we do, we have an excellent school nurse who really understands type 1, then I think that helps to facilitate everything. But a lot of people, you know, my daughter's school had not had a child with type 1 for like 10 years or something. And so they really aren't familiar with it. Now, now we're lucky because we've received excellent services at our school, but there's definitely, there had to be an education around that for sure. Yeah. 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 I think that when I went in, I remember being cognizant of the fact that I sounded like a lunatic. Like it, it, Absolutely. it yeah, yeah. It occurred to me that when I was speaking about diabetes, I was a trying to shove a bunch of information into a small yep. amount of time. I was trying to walk this fine line between explaining how dire what I'm saying was Uh without making my child sound fragile. Absolutely. Right. Right. And I was trying to, and that's not easy to do. So not easy to do. And and I felt kind of dramatic, but I felt like I sort of had to be for people to hear what I was saying, because I think people just think, Oh, diabetes, no big deal. Their child has diabetes. Okay. Whatever. We'll get them a health plan and we'll move along. And like you said, you really have to, 
sort of impose, you know, some dramatic stories to, I think, really let people know what's going on and, and really how severe and, and dangerous it can be. But also, like you said, my child's totally normal at the same time, and I want them to have a, a carefree um, experience at school. Yeah, before, so Arden was diagnosed when she was two, and uh-huh. I went to her school towards the end of the year the year prior to her starting kindergarten. And I was like, Oh, I'll just lay the groundwork now. And they really did look at me like I had like seven heads when I came in there. Yes. And yeah. this was before, like there was no like CGM, you know, she was, Yay. she was taking injections and I was just getting ready to transfer her over kind of to the Omnipod. We were still in the process of doing that. And no matter how hard I tried, they would say, well, we've had kids with diabetes in here before. And it was the vibe almost was, look, there have been kids with diabetes here before. None of them are dead. Just calm down. Yeah. Right. Yes, right. Absolutely. And it's different when you have a kindergartner, too, because, I mean, they're, they're so vulnerable. You yeah. know, they don't know how to read numbers or anything. It's just, they're just she's so far. But as, as hard as I tried, I never did really get it through to anybody. And then what ended up happening was um, I did – impress upon them that every time Arden was in the nurse's office, I wanted to speak to them like we were going to do it together. Mm-hmm. And, and then this one day, the phone call just never came before lunch or before recess. The phone call never came. Hmm. And so I gave them a reasonable amount of time, a couple of minutes, and I called them. And it had turned out that something, there was another child in the school who had an issue and they had to do, it was a bigger issue. The child needed like a breathing machine or something. It was a big deal. And mm-hmm. sort of in that kind of craziness, no one called for Arden to come down before her mm-hmm. recess. And that's the first time I noticed because her, her teacher was a delightful woman and lovely, but she was very happy to have her hands out of it. The nurse came down, grabbed Arden, took her back. She didn't kind of want to know anything about it because when I later asked her, you know, Arden's been taken out every day before recess, except this day. That didn't strike you as odd? And, she's, right. and she goes, oh, no, no, well, it was just, you know, that's up to the nurse. So mm. what happened was she goes, I call the nurse's office. And as soon as they hear my voice, I actually heard the woman, the, the nurse said, oh my God, Arden, I'll go get her. And she hung right up on me. And right. so she ran out on the, uh, ran on the playground, found Arden up on the top of the jungle of the monkey bars oh and get, gets her inside and her blood sugars like in the fifties. Oh. Now before CGM, is she 50 and falling? Is she 50 and rising? I have no idea. Did she, she have symptoms? You, have no idea. you know, no yeah. idea. Right. But I took that example I literally pulled myself together, drove to the high school where the, the superintendent's office was, sat in his outer office, told his assistant, he's going to see me today. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I said, this is the stuff I've been trying to explain to you people. No one's, yeah. no one's listening. And, and mm-hmm. when he pushed back, it was, the first, it was the first time I felt like I'd become dramatic. And I said to him, almost word for word, I said, if you hurt or kill my daughter, I'm going to spend the rest of my natural life making everyone's lives miserable for no other reason than I'm just not going to have anything else to do. You, you know, I'm, I'm going to sue people and just try to get people fo- – I'm going to be a terror. Now, wouldn't it be yeah. easier – wouldn't it be easier to just follow these couple of steps that we've put into place? Like why right. does it have to be like this? Right. And then he and I came to an agreement in that room and everything from then has now kind of flourished in that way. I got got chills when you were saying that because I I really, I absolutely agree with you that I think part of the issue is that our kids look healthy. And so they, they think, oh, well, this child's healthy. They just need a little medication and they don't really understand the, um, the, I mean, insulin is like your best friend and your enemy, right? Because it's keeping our kids alive. And then it's also really scary because we can have those lows without anybody noticing. Right. And it's even hard for us to talk about it because our kids are healthy. They don't just look healthy. They are healthy. healthy. Right, right. Yeah. And the the problem is, like you're saying, is the man-made insulin just doesn't know when to stop. So you need to be aggressive with it to... To have, you know, good, you know, kind of like A1C outcomes and, and, you know, know, day-to-day stuff. And at the same time, when something goes wrong, and that's always something I explain to them, like, we're not practicing, you know, we're not talking about what to do if something happens. We're talking about what to do when it happens, because it is going to happen at some point, right? Uh So, okay, well, that that was really cool. So, um, I want to actually add to that when you were saying are healthy, you know, I, I actually feel like my children... And, and Patrick, our son, does not have type 1, but I almost feel like Ali Lou, in a way, may be healthier now than she would have been without diabetes, because I feel like we're so on top of her, her exercise and her eating, 
and her time outside and her vitamins. You know, I feel like we spend so much time keeping her healthy that I almost feel like in a weird kind of way she's benefiting. And so is Patrick, our son, because we're so interested in their health and their and their well-being yeah and it is another thing that's difficult to talk about because i agree with what you just said and somebody could come in from the outside and hear that and say no you know i would trade eating you know frozen french bread pizza for the rest of my life and you know for for this but but i completely agree with you people when when you're forced to be aware of your of your body yeah it's just such a different diabetes is. is such a different thing it really is almost like me saying to you hey sarah listen You've got this illness, but don't worry, it's not too bad. Uh, you just have to remind your heart to beat every time it beats. Right. You, you, you know, just stand here and clap your hands like this and everything will be fine. You know, if you stop right. doing that and stop paying attention, well, your heart will stop. Right. And it really is, like you said, like there are foods that I, I turn to the rest of my family sometime and I think about myself. I'm like, look what that just did to her blood sugar. You know, totally. just because our pancreases work doesn't mean that's mm-hmm. not doing some horrible stuff to us. You know? I absolutely agree. Right. So, I know. So exactly. I've been trying really hard, and this probably brings us to why I was so interested to have you on the show, right? So I've been trying for years to – I'm not the healthiest eater. I'm, I'm not a – I wish I, I ate more and liked more vegetables, but I don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been trying. And, like, I started with um, a smoothie. I found, like, this kind of green smoothie at this local place – and I started drinking it, and the first couple of times, because I got it without sugar, and the first couple of times I drank it, I was like, "This is a, like a torture. I'm gonna force, right. I'm gonna force this down to be healthy, right?" But mm-hmm. then what I noticed was a week later, like I changed my palate to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It didn't taste. Yeah. It, it it tastes sweet to me now because it has some pineapple in it. Uh-huh. But but my uh-huh. God, the first time I drank it, I was like, oh, it's like sludge. Yeah, yeah, like what <laughs> yeah. what am I doing to myself, right? So so kind of to go backwards to go forward. Um, when when Arden was diagnosed, I had that feeling that I think most parents or anybody who loves anybody who's diagnosed with type one diabetes gets this feeling like I'm not a doctor and I'm not you know I'm I'm not a scientist, but I want to try to help move something forward for this person that I love who who's now struggling with the you know with with diabetes. And I started a blog to try to help people, but you did something different. Why don't you tell us what you did? Well, I mean, after Ali Lee was diagnosed, I, I still wanted her to, you know, experience normal childhood, quote unquote. And one of the things I really found was, you know, we could, you know, we definitely changed our diet to, you know, try and eat more whole foods. And like you were saying, the the frozen French bread pizza just wasn't worth it anymore. Um, and one of the things I really noticed was juice was something that we were using as to, you know, help with low blood sugars, but I couldn't bring her to a party without there being juice boxes everywhere or to parks or play dates. And so I started making my own sugar-free lemonade at home, but I didn't want to use, um, artificial sweeteners. So I found the stevia leaf um, and started making this sugar-free lemonade at home, which she absolutely loved. And then her friends started loving it, um, all the neighborhood friends, and they didn't realize it was sugar-free. Well, all of their parents were thrilled. You know, they don't have type one, but they were saying, hey, great, let's cut out the sugar where we can. And so, um, so then one of my dearest friends from middle school, actually. Um, she lives in Los Angeles, but she she was visiting us up in Northern California, and she had her son. And I, I always had this lemonade in my house now because that was just what Allie Lou loved to drink. And my friend Amy, she said, Sarah, why don't you make this up and sell it? And I said, oh, I don't think I could ever do that. And she was like, no, let's do it together. You know, that's kind of the the short version of it. And so we did. Um, and, and I can't believe we've actually done it. But now we have these um, juice boxes for kids with their two carb juice boxes and they're all organic and natural. So, so, you know, it's, it's, it is, I have to say a joy for me to be able to provide that for Allie Lou when she's going to school or having a play date where, you know, today we're going to a friend's house for pizza, Friday night, pizza night, and she'll get to bring her little juice boxes. And, you know, it's, it just, like you said, it's just that one little thing that can kind of make her life a little bit easier right. and, and not just Ali Lou, but you know, anyone else. Well, and, and not you necessarily know? with diabetes either. Exactly. Just, yeah. Right. I mean, all of her friends love it. Like when, whenever we go somewhere, did you bring your lemonade? 
And so, you know, we, I always have lemonade in my car because her friend, you know, Ali Lou really does. I mean, she has a couple of friends with type one, but none that live close to us. So, um, so none of her friends do, but they're all thrilled to have her lemonade. And I don't think, you know, and, and like you said, it wasn't like we created this only for kids with diabetes. It's just, that's how, that was really the organic nature of how it developed, yeah. you know, what, what makes, you know, I think this, you, I always wonder this and maybe other people do too. What, when I'm in the grocery right. store and I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend 75 cents more to buy five pounds of organic potatoes. What, what does that mean when it's organic? Sure. So if something is, there are different classifications of, of organic. So when we were developing our lemonade, we could be made with organic ingredients or we could be USDA organic. So to be USDA organic means that everything in your product has to be organic. Now, um, our salt is not, it's Himalayan pink salt. We actually put a little bit of salt in our lemonade, but um, salt does not have a classification of being organic and that's okay. You can still be USDA organic. But organic basically just tells us that the ingredients were grown without pesticides or synthetic fertilizers, and they do not contain GMOs. Gotcha. And GMOs, just for anybody? I should say, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, just can you define GMO just for people? Genetically modified organisms. So nothing that was created basically um, not in nature. So a a grapple would be like genetically modified the grape apple or something crazy like i've seen on the news i i think so i yeah. mean i'm not an would have to be. GMO, but <laughs> I, I would think so yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know how it would have been created <laughs> okay so uh, other, so does that make uh, it more expensive uh, i mean uh, as... yes exactly yeah that's a really good point so the ingredients that we use since they're all usda organic they cost us a lot more mm-hmm. so therefore you know unfortunately we have to pass that along to the consumer um, our, so our cost of goods are a lot higher than if we were to do an, a, a lemonade that was not organic, but we really felt for us that it was important to, to have it organic, mostly because I feed my kids pretty much all organic, but also we wanted to provide something that really was the highest quality that we could possibly create. Well, so now you're kind of piquing the, the interest of the part of me who loves to watch Shark Tank. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> what if, so you haven't been at this for terribly long, right? A, a year, maybe? About a year, yeah. So, I mean, Amy and I talked about this. Um, well, we started talking about it a, a little over a year ago. And then um, we, we got our minds and brains together, and we really got serious in January of last year. And then we ran our first production run that July. So that was pretty quick. And you're in stores um, in your area, right? Yeah, we're in um, 160 Bay Area stores up here, and then we're we're starting to expand. We're actually going to be in Canada, and um, and Amy was at at an expo yesterday, and she received crazy demands from all over the country. So we're not really know what we don't know what's going to happen after yesterday. Well, I (laughs) just right now we're in North. I just had my first. um, I just had my first leaf and love juice box today. And it was, it was really great. And, and I was wondering, does it, um, once you get established, are you looking at other flavors? Are you going to stay with lemonade? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would love to do a strawberry lemonade or a raspberry lemonade. Um, I mean, our, our dream would be to have sort of a small line of children's products that are, you know, low to zero sugar yeah. for kids, you know, that are just kind of grab and go that, you know, are, and, and organic. So, you know, okay, they're low in zero sugar or zero sugar, organic, healthy. I can feel good about this. Cause a lot of the organic snacks for kids are actually really, really high in sugar. And you think, oh, okay, well this is healthy. It's organic. And because you know, we have to read all the carbs and on the back of every package. So when I see the carbs and then I see the sugar, I think, you know, like you were saying, is this really good for anybody? You know? Yeah, I know the juice boxes that we, I mean, I guess around here, pretty much how we do things is, you know, like you'd like it to be water, but kids are, you know, they're not always going to grab water. Like waters, when they're playing right. sports, they grab water. My kids aren't like, they don't have, you know, we don't do Gatorade and stuff like that. So there's a lot of water drank during sports, but in the house, it ends up being sort of like unsweetened iced tea or, you know, with these little juice, right. these juice boxes that only have like nine carbs in them. Yeah. And, yeah. but, but so you're making, you're, you're giving something up. The juice box, it only has nine carbs and it doesn't really hit Arden's blood sugar very hard. She can have one while she's right. eating. And at the same time, I don't know what the hell's inside of it. 
you know, I'm right. I'm literally choosing to ignore that because there's no carbs. Right. 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 <laughs> I'm just looking the other way. I was like, you're taking. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And I mean, I think we're all in that kind of situation. It's sort of the same with artificial sweeteners. Like, well. There's a, you know, sugar-free this, and I know it's not going to affect their blood sugar, so maybe I should just ignore that there's that sugar-free sweetener in there. And, and to your point, yeah, to that exact point, this this morning, I got up this morning, and I did the same thing. I took one of those little, like, Snapple, like, packets that you dump in a water bottle, and I uh-huh. and I uh-huh. shook it up and drank it. Now, there's, you know, there's no carbs in it, and, and but it's all artificial sweeteners. And then, right. and then I, the next thing I grabbed was one of your, one of your lemonades, and I was like, wow how sweet is that is that iced tea that doesn't have any sweetener it's really really it tastes right. sweet and then i realized as i was drinking your juice box as i got down to it i was like this is exactly like the smoothie which is why i brought it up earlier yeah. when i first did it i was like oh my god this is tart it's not sweet i don't know if i'm going to like this yeah. and by the time yeah. i got to the bottom i'm like this isn't tart or sweet i'm just i'm just used to i must just be used to like licking sugar you, you, you know Well, I think you're absolutely right. And that's something Amy and I talk about a lot. You know, her son does not have type one, um, but our kids are so desensitized. And like you said, their palates really change when you start introducing new foods or taking away some of those really high sugary foods. Right. I really think their palates change back to your smoothie story. I like to buy like, you know, prepackaged smoothies at the store and I used to buy them with apple juice in them. And right. then now I can't because they're too sweet. So yeah. the one I buy doesn't have it. It has like kale and spinach and whatever and all these things and, and lemon juice. Right, right. And it tastes it tastes totally great to me. And the apple juice ones, I've bought it by mistake. I'm like, oh, I can't stand this. It's too sweet. Well, I, you know, a few months ago, I, you know, I it took me years to search out a loaf of bread where Arden could have a sandwich and things didn't go nuts. You know, not, yeah. no high fructose corn syrup yeah. and that kind of thing. But it still was terrible. And, and like so months ago, I just – I bought a bread machine out of sort of nowhere. I thought about it for a while. And it's just, you know, a little bit of butter, a tiny bit of sugar, a little salt, flour, water, yeast, and, you know, bread. It comes out. It's soft and it's fluffy and it's it's fantastic. And I gave it to my kids. And I, I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is what I remember bread tasting like I... when I was a kid. And I gave it to them. And for weeks, they looked at me like, what what are you trying to perpetrate on here Exactly. Like, like, like this is, they, this is terrible. And I'm like, no, no, this is bread. I'm like the stuff I was buying you with the stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes like I'll make a smaller loaf because three to, it only, it'll last about three days. And they're like, why does it go bad so quickly? I was like, well, it's not pumped full of chemicals so that it won't go bad. You know? I know. It's so true. Okay. So you are, that's so cool. And congratulations. You're at Amazon. You can get the, um, besides locally in the Bay area, amazon.com carries it also. Yeah, Amazon.com, and then pretty soon we're going to actually start selling from our own web. We have a website, and so pretty soon we'll have a shopping cart on our website also. And what's the website address? Oh, it's www.leafandlove.com. Leaf like the stevia leaf and love. Okay. Okay, so um, I want to just sort of get back to Allie a little bit. So she's – you you are – she uses a Dexcom. She uses a Dexcom, yes. Right, but but you're doing injections still. We're doing injections still, so we're going on, you know, almost two and a half years. And she does, you know, fairly well with the injections. But um, I think um, for her mental health, I feel like a pump will actually be really good for us, you know, because she's up to about, you know, six injections a day, you know, with her long acting and then her short acting and then sometimes for a correction here or there. And I feel like even, you know, probably every couple days when I give her a shot, she'll be upset or cry, you know, and other times it doesn't affect her at all. And in fact, people will say, oh, that's so easy. It doesn't even bother her. And I feel <laughs> like you have no idea. It really does bother her that I have to walk over here and give her a shot. Right. You know, I, she may not, it may not look like it bothers her, but it does. And it also bothers me. <laughs> you I, know? You know, I think there's a couple of aspects of pumping that, that are sort of unseen, and I, I, I struggled a number of times to write about this. Maybe I can say it better. There, yeah. there was something about tracking down your kid, holding yes. them still, and then doing it. The whole process is a little dehumanizing. It really is. Right. I, I absolutely agree. It's dehumanizing. And I also feel like it's creating a weird relationship with food. 
right. that every time you eat, I have to hold you down and give you a shot. Whether yeah. or not that shot hurts, it's a very strange relationship. Yeah, so. I, think, I think when people's like, – like Arden was diagnosed right at two. She was a couple of weeks past her second birthday. And I don't know how much people whose children are older when they're diagnosed or as adults realize that a two-year-old – it's not easy to hold a two-year-old still to get them to have Tylenol like, or something like that. So when you're going to jab them with a needle, there really is an aspect of like, of restraining them to some level. There absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I remember when Layla was first diagnosed. I mean, I was literally, she was, like I said, three running around the house, trying to track her down and she was hiding from me. I mean, it was so traumatic for all of us right. because like you said, you, you literally have to hold them down to give them the shot. It's not that way anymore. But I still feel like the trauma is there. And yeah. so I'm, yeah, I'm I, hoping. Good, I'm sorry. I'm just hoping, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the Omnipod and I, I really like how you can do the remote dosing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like. That's the only, that's the only insulin pump we've ever used. Yeah, um, it's, and it's been great. It really has. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I've heard really great things. And I've asked Ali Lou now that she's five, I've said, okay, well, there's the kind with the tube and there's the kind that doesn't have it. And she's always said I want the one without the tubing it looks I, I think part of it is because it kind of looks like the Dexcom you know it's a lot bigger but right um and and she wants to wear dresses she's always wearing dresses and skirts and she was saying I want something that I can use when I you know so I can wear a dress without having to have like a little holder underneath and yeah all that. yeah I would listen I would say that not every pump is right for every person and everybody yeah. you know everybody should figure it out on their own but I can tell you that for me when we went to the first pump class at our children's hospital Mm -hmm. I looked at all those pumps and what I saw, um, the first thing I thought about Omnipod is I said to my wife, I'm like, look, it's all self-contained. I'm like, when they make an improvement to this thing, this company is not going to make nine different versions of this pump. Like once they right. improve this one, we're just going to automatically get the improved version of it. And right. that is what ended up happening when they made it smaller. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it wasn't like you had to wait till your insurance rolled over or something like that. There was just this day when the, the new mm. pods just started coming. I, I think, you know, it's been great for Arden. Arden's, you know, she's very lean. And um, even now she's going to be 11 this summer and probably still only weighs about 64 pounds. But wow. but we there's yeah. plenty of sights on her. We've never had any kind of issue with any of that. And it's been, it was the first step in bringing down that, like, you know, that initial A1C that you get after right. diagnosis where you're like, oh my God, they told me it's got to be here, but I'm way up at right. nine, you know. Right. And insulin pumping, right. insulin pumping in general is what brought us down the first time and got us down a couple of points. And there's just another thing that you'll find amazing is, you know, when you've got a, a blood sugar that's like right on the line, like it's 80 and you think like, I don't, it's so steady. You can see it on the Dexcom CGM. Like, I don't really feel like I need to do anything about this, but at the same mm -hmm. time, you know, what if it does start to fall when yeah. you're, when you're doing injections, it's not. It's not like you, you can't tell your Levomir or your Lanta stop working for a little while, right? right? But right. With, with your pump, you could temp basal down, you know, 10%, 50%, 100% right. for a half an hour, whatever. And you just sort of get this kind of natural, like, drift back up again. That Interesting. is, oh my God, that is such, to me, that's, that's beautiful. That's the core, <laughs> that's the core of using an insulin pump because, oh especially at night, because I can't tell you, I'm very comfortable with, I see a lot of people online celebrating their 100 blood sugars all the time, which I know is exciting because yeah. your doctor's always okay. like, 100's your target. Right. Right. But I love, I mean, I'm happy with Arden's blood sugar being, you know, as low as 80 even. Yeah. Right, no, right. I know. I heard you were talking um, on one of your podcasts about how she had, she was at a 70, I think, and you said 70's, you know, not bad. I mean, you need to watch it. Right. It's, you know, it's a little bit on the low side, but I am so, I'm so with you. I am so happy when her blood sugar's, 86, 83, exactly. 97. Like it doesn't scare me. Right. It doesn't scare me. But but at four o'clock in the morning when it's 78, yeah. you're like, oh, I yeah. guess I should yeah. do something about this. Yeah. Like, you know, and you'll end up with injections. You'll end up waking her up and giving her something to drink right. or, or whatever you're going to do. Yes. With with an insulin pump, I just sort of cut the the, the um, basil off for a half an hour and see if it doesn't drift up on its own. Hey, everybody, let's just take a break for a second so I can let you know that after I spoke with Sarah... I asked her if she'd like to give away some of her Leaf and Love organic lemonade on my blog, and she was really cool and said yes. So from midnight March 10th, 2015 until midnight March 20th, 2015, you'll have the opportunity to enter a giveaway. And there's going to tons of – it's a raffle copter uh, giveaway, so – 
there's a bunch of different ways to get like I don't know I don't want to call it points but every time you do something you know you you get another shot at being drawn randomly so for instance if you go to Juicebox podcast Facebook page and you follow it you get a, you get one entry if you tweet a message out uh, that's already you know already pre-written for you you get one entry if you if you subscribe to the juice box podcast on itunes you get five entries if you follow leaf and love on twitter you get two and there's a bunch more some of them you can actually do every day like you can send out a tweet every day and get an entry every day now all of this has to be done through the the raffle copter widget that's on arden's day and juiceboxpodcast.com you can't, for instance, just go visit the website or send out a tweet, and I'm going to automatically know about it. it. Doesn't work like that. There's a widget on the blog. You tell it, "Hey, I went to the Facebook page and I followed," or I, it, you know, you send the tweet through the widget. Everything happens through the widget. All entries happen through the widget. I cannot stress that enough. I, I, there's no way I can figure out everybody who's followed a tweet or something like that. But I wish I could. And like I said, you can get entries between midnight on the 10th of March till midnight on the 20th of March. Sarah is giving away one case of lemonade juice boxes. So that's 32 juice boxes to the first winner. So we're going to randomly, the raffle copter thing pulls out a winner. The first winner that gets randomly chosen gets the 32-pack um, case. And then four more winners will get an eight-pack. So that's one winner that gets 32-pack, four winners get an 8-pack, and the last person that gets chosen, the sort of loser of the winners, gets an autographed copy of my book, Life is Short, Laundry's Eternal, Confessions of a Stay-at-Home Dad, which is celebrating just receiving its 100th reader review on Amazon.com, which is something I'm insanely touched by. It's kind of hard to put into words, but that 100 people took the time to leave a review for uh, Life is Short, Laundry's Eternal is, uh, is a really, it's a real source of pride for me. So um, that's it, except to say, if you want to try the juice sooner, if you want to check out the lemonade, uh, the company sells it on Amazon.com, and she's offering a $4 off coupon code. So when you check out at Amazon, there's kind of a place there to put in a, you know, a, a coupon code. Coupon code you can find at juiceboxpodcast.com or ardensday.com, and uh, get $4 off your Leaf and Love lemonade purchase on Amazon.com. All right, let's get back to it with Sarah. You really can get in there and, like you were saying, fine-tune things that you can't do otherwise. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm speaking about something that I don't have experience with, but that's sort of my hope for it. Oh, is yeah, that I we think can... you'll, I'll think you'll find that. It's also interesting, as you're saying, that I find myself thinking, had you had a pump, you might not have developed the lemonade because, <laughs> because, yeah, uh, because I, right. you know, you throw a juice box at somebody with 15 carbs. Like, I have to actually jab my kid with a needle so they can drink a juice box. Yeah. And people yeah. with pumps just kind of push a couple of buttons and, and, you're, hey, and you're back on your way again. Yeah, so. Yeah, um, interesting. Okay, so at three, at three years old, what was, I mean, being thrown into the diabetes world immediately, would you consider, did you go through the, did you go, I found myself kind of going through like the, the steps of grief, like, oh, like yeah. it was like something, somebody, it felt like somebody died for a while. Absolutely, it did. And I also, I mean, I don't know if everybody goes through this, but you know, I think there was a little bit of denial, you know? Um, which is a step of grief. <laughs> yeah, I um, I had um, I had there was these two days that I remember crystal clear where Arden just didn't need insulin anymore, and, mm -hmm. and the first day yeah. I, the first day I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about when they call you know a honeymoon. But by the second day, I was on the phone with my my friend is my is our is our our children's uh, pediatrician. And I called him up and I remember prefacing what I said. I said, I know I'm wrong, but I have to say this out loud. I don't think Arden has diabetes. And he mm. paused and he, you could hear sadness in the silence. Like it really right. was terrible. And he's like, no, Scott, she does. You know, this is right. part, this is part of the honeymoon process. And, yep. you know, but I'm sorry, I, I cut you right off there. I'm no, sorry. no, I, I'm this, I had the exact same experience. We had, you know, been a, quite a, we were off of insulin for about a month after she was diagnosed. And I remember, you know, thinking, well, maybe, you know, I remember Google searching, like, is there ever a miracle, you know, where <laughs> someone is diagnosed with type one and then suddenly they're healed, you know, and could they just have been wrong? It, yeah, yeah. Could they have just been wrong? And it, I mean, I think that puts parents in a really vulnerable position because you, you go back to this normal blood sugar and no insulin and you think, oh, maybe it was all just a bad dream. And then suddenly you realize, no, this really is the case. Yeah, this is the, the, the honeymoon. It's like, you know, it's, it's, 
it's nice on one hand, but it's also yeah, can it, give some kind it kind of turns it stuff. turns the knife a little bit. It really does. Yeah, yeah it yeah. really does. Right, because then you have to go through the whole grieving process again after that's over. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, how would you um? So how do you manage? She's at she's five and a half. She she she's in kindergarten. Does she, how are you managing while she's at school? Yeah, she's in kindergarten. Actually, that kind of takes me back to the first part of our conversation. So when you were saying you had the incident where the nurse had forgotten to get Arden. Um, so we started out the year without an aid, uh, and a one-on-one aid for Ali Lou. And, and honestly, I didn't really know if we needed it when we first started because she had been in preschool and we didn't have an aid for her in preschool. I would just go check her give her her insulin before her snack, and then I would leave. Right. And so I thought, well, we could probably do the same thing in kindergarten. So we had her 504 in the summertime. And we started the year out, and it just really was too much. You know, this kindergarten teacher has – she's an amazing teacher. She's so dedicated, and she's really – she takes such great care of Ali Lou, but she has 20 kids in her class. Sure. And, you know, this is elementary school now. And, and it's funny because I had been an administrator, and then – and even I didn't really realize how important it was going to be for her to have an aid, just I think partially because she's so young. Yeah. But anyway, so we started the year off without an aid, and I was running up there. Teacher was texting me, you know, what her blood sugar was, and then I would go up there, I'd give her her insulin, I would come back, you know. I mean, it was it, – I and I realized, you know, this isn't sustainable. I can't be going up to her school, right. you know, one to three times a day. So the, the school actually um, – offered to provide an aid for Ali Lou. So that has been a game changer for all of us, for sure. her teacher. It's been really great. It's been great for Ali Lou. So she goes to school and she has an aid with her there the whole time she's in kindergarten. And so the aide gives her her injection and she has the Dexcom. So the aide will text me what her numbers are. And then, and then we kind of, you know, like you were talking about in your podcast about the texting, the, the aide and I really do all the texting together about, sure. you know, what her number is and, and how to treat it. And, you know, we have the 504, but the, the reality is it's better for me to be able to text the aide. Well, let's see, I know she had this for breakfast and she was a little high last night. So we don't always exactly follow that 504 because I have the aide who can, can text things with me and we can kind of work through it together yeah, to find out what I completely she- agree. You have to have the 504 for schools who are going to be kind of jerks about it you have to have something you can hold them to but at the same time you don't do i mean hour to hour sometimes things changes let alone day to day and week to week yeah and and i find the same thing too i think it's so important to build that kind of a quality relationship with the school and even though it sometimes takes time because they're resistant or or sometimes you're just a little hyper I, i know i was a little kind of hyper vigilant in the beginning and with you know, with great reason, but nevertheless, when you build that kind of relationship where they can trust you back and yeah. forth, it's, it's, it is really such a game changer. So the, um, I'm sitting here today knowing that Arden's Dexcom share two receiver is on a FedEx truck oh, waiting to come oh to my us. Gosh, so uh, exciting. Are you going to be making the switch? Absolutely. So we, and we also had the night scout. You did. Um, we did, and I'm just not a techie, and so, and I love the concept, but for me, I just, you know, I just couldn't quite figure it out, and so I was spending a lot of my time trying to connect things and all that, and I know, you know, so many people love the Night Scout, but for me, I just, I'm, I'm just not a technical person. It, it was so a little too much for get, you. It was a little too much for me, and I would just get a little frustrated and just kind of let it go, and yeah. so, um so when the Dex, we heard about the Dexcom share coming out, I was so excited. The, the only problem is we're not iPhone users. So I'm kind of thinking they might come out with Droid really soon now. Uh, I would say to. I would say that I, I would say out loud very clearly, I know nothing and I've talked to no one. But if I had heard something, I would tell you that I think it's going to be much sooner than people are anticipating. That's what I think too. Yes. So I really do. I yeah. I hold tight and and I wouldn't you know I wouldn't go buying an iPhone if you uh, if you don't want one and at the same time um, I don't think you're going to be you're not being going to be pushed off for years that that's for yeah, sure yeah I feel like you know I mean I might I mean I have no idea like you said but I'm thinking maybe in the next six months or so well, I just don't know, Dexcom but... said Dexcom said inside of 2015 which I think is something businesses oh. say in general so. But oh, okay. yeah, I, it, it's interesting to hear people online kind of bandy about like why it doesn't happen. Like, you know, they're, 
they're not interested in Android users, which is not the case. It's just it's been a little more difficult for them uh, to get the Android app, you know. Yeah, yeah, through, and through I mean the they had to start somewhere, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, and it's not unreasonable to start with Apple because yeah, you know yeah. It, it's it's. I don't want to say it's a standard, but a lot of people have iPhones. So if you're going to start somewhere, you probably want to start where you can. You're imagining you can hit the most of your, you know, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna start marketing your lemonade to people who don't drink citrus. So you no, know, you, you just yeah. gotta try to start somewhere. Um, yeah, you have to start somewhere. I was actually at a JDRF event in Santa Barbara, their Type One Nation. Right. And um, the CEO of Dexcom was there speaking, and he was talking about the share, and it was really interesting to hear from him. And he actually does not have anyone in his family with type one, but his son had cancer when he was about nine. I think he had leukemia. So, you know, it was interesting that he could, he was telling the group there, you know, I, I can't relate to having type one, but I can relate to having an ill child. And that, that hit home for me that, you know, obviously this is, you know, he's the CEO of a very large company, but he did have his heart invested as well. Yeah, it, it is definitely something it's hard to explain to somebody who doesn't have that experience. I was on the phone yesterday with our insurance company having this round and round conversation because, you know, Arden's, um, her Dexcom transmitter, the battery went dead and outside of its warranty. So I had to go through the, the insurance process to get it back. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. are one of those people who's forced to go through a third party medical provider for some of the things that we buy. And so, you know, I... You start the whole process. You call the company. You say, look, we need this. They go, okay, no problem. You can have it. Now you have to contact the doctor who's now have to send a prescription, even though every prescription they send every time this happens says this is a lifetime need. You Don't, don't ask us for a prescription. This is lifetime. Mm-hmm. They still right. make you go through the whole thing. And then I, I finally get the prescription back to the to the provide to, to where the, you know, the Dexcom transmitter is going to ship from. He goes, well, now I have to get it okayed by your insurance company. I said, well, they just bought me one like eight months ago, why nothing's changed. No, well we have to. And I finally said to the guy, I'm like, look, you know what? I can't believe I'm doing this, but just, I'm going to pay cash for it right now. Mm. And I said, (laughs) and I'll put it on a credit card and I'll float this $700 on my credit card, which is not something I should be doing. And, and I'll, I'll get reimbursed. And so I'm on the phone now, six weeks later with my insurance company going, Hey, where's my check? Cause you know, like, could you hurry a little bit? And, and, you know, there's this confusion and, you know, she's like, we already sent it. Oh, I think we sent it to the wrong person. All this rigmarole. And I finally stopped her and I said, listen, I need you to understand that the people you are speaking to, most of them live lives. You just don't under, you don't get unless you, unless you have something going on like this, you don't understand I haven't really slept through the night in like nine years. I, I'm exhausted. I have other things to do. I can't, I, and not that other people don't have other things to do, but my God, like, please stop screwing with me. Like, 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 you know, Absolutely. like just, just send me my check, please. And well, and I also, I feel like so much of our time is consumed. Like you said, at the pharmacy, on the phone with the, the insurance going to the endo appointments. I mean, there and I and I'm not complaining. I'm really not because I know we could have it so much. You're worse, very lucky. To, I feel very lucky to have all this to have insurance and to have these. I, absolutely. absolutely right. Yep. And I and then I also feel like I have this whole other world going on that I'm trying to manage behind the scenes. That you know, my my mom friends have no idea how much time I spend on the phone with Dexcom and the pharmacy and you know and all of these people. And we're not the only ones. Anyone who's really living with a chronic illness has to deal with all of this. And it's kind of like a, a part-time career, you yep. know, trying to manage all of the supplies. And I laughed a little bit because the, the, the other day I was on the phone working something out for Arden for something, you know, diabetes related. And I'm speaking to the woman and she goes, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last part. And I said, you know what? It's actually my fault. You didn't hear it because I've been cleaning a toilet while we were talking because, <laughs> because I can't actually talk to you and sit still yeah. like I would like to, like a human being, because yeah. I'm going to be on the phone with you for 45 minutes. Then, yep. then, you know, all due respect, you're going to screw this up. And next week I'm going to be back on the phone again for yeah. another 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So yep. it really is interesting. So how's Ali Lou doing? Um, are you, or do you feel, you know what, how is she, how, how is she doing? I do want to know that, but I guess I want to ask you first, what's it like to be diagnosed in the more technology age where there's so many pumps to choose from and glucose monitors? Do you, do you, 
have a feeling for what it must have been like even just a handful of years ago or was it that's a really good question yeah. i mean i'm very grateful for what we have now and you know when she was first diagnosed um I don't think they offered the Dexcom to us immediately. No, they normally her, don't. She, yeah. yeah, and she has her endocrinologist is amazing. I absolutely love her. I mean, I I literally look forward to our appointments because this woman is just she's wise and she's gracious and she's calm and she's just I, I absolutely adore her. So, and we're we're actually going to see her next week. That's but, wonderful. Yeah, it's really great. Um, but she had you know, brought up the Dexcom and I, and honestly, I couldn't really get my head around having a device on her body. And I think that was still a little bit of part of the denial phase I was in. Sure. But now, now that we have it, I, I can't imagine life without it. Yep. And I, I do think all the time, like, gosh, people have been living for decades and decades without a Dexcom. And I am so lucky. And Ali Lou and my husband, husband we're so lucky to have this technology i absolutely and, and what recognize you, there's such a great lesson for people with diabetes i think in what you just said which is the ha, using the dexcom cgm as an example right i can tell you for certain i never get Arden. i would never have gotten arden's a1c out of the sevens to where it is now without a mm -hmm. without a cgm right mm -hmm. i'm so mm -hmm. much more aggressive and, mm -hmm. and I don't wait, yes. like I don't give insulin and they go, well, I guess we'll wait and see what happens three hours yeah. from now. Right. Like, so, yeah. I, so we don't do that. So I'm aware of that. And at the same time, Arden was relatively healthy and fine without it. Not, you know, I, I, I always feel like people feel scared all the time, which I understand. And, and I was scared in the very beginning too, for a number of years, I was frightened constantly. I did use words when I was writing on my blog, like I'm trying not to kill my daughter and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is that time and distance lend a lot of perspective. And mm -hmm. you'll see that that generally speaking is not the case day in and day out, mm -hmm. you, you know, and it, you know, the first time your, your, your transmitter battery goes, you don't have one for a couple of weeks or, yeah. you know, you know, you know, the first time you, I, you know, I would never say to reset your Dexcom transmitter when the two weeks runs out because, of course, or the see, course isn't it so isn't it so funny? I don't actually know exactly how long it runs because I reset it all the time. But but ne but nevertheless, there's that two hour warm up period where, in the beginning, those two hours felt to me like I was being shot at, and now yeah. I I don't feel like that anymore. You, you know, yeah. and I I I want very badly for people to understand that. The technology is fantastic, and it is going to lead you to better situations. But being without it, it doesn't make you destitute, alone, and and need to right. be frightened all the time. You know, it adds right. more steps, and there's more. It's the uncertainty. But you can find, and I want to I want to preface it, but preface what I'm going to say by saying I know that the unexpected happens a lot with diabetes and with insulin, but you can find the rhythms of it, and and you know fly blind pretty well mm -hmm. you, you I know. think you can yeah and I think the Dexcom like you said has has opened me up to that a little bit more because um we actually had an incident where I was we were at our neighbor's house and I had the Dexcom receiver in my back pocket and it was raining and we were walking home and I slipped and fell and I ended up spraining my ankle but also the Dexcom receiver got wet in my back pocket and so it died so um, we had to go a few days without it. And like you said, I, I had almost a, more of a sense of calm than I did prior to the Dexcom because I'm a little more familiar with what her patterns are. Yes. Um, and like you said, it has made me a little bit less scared even when I don't have it. Although when I don't have it, I sure miss it. Yeah, well, know? oh, absolutely. But it, it's <laughs> just, so, you know, I'll never forget the first time that I saw Arden's like 24-hour graph. You know, the reason the reason we needed it is I know she was, she was getting very low while she was sleeping. And, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that until my, you know, our doctor's office said, let's put one of these blind sensors on her and take a look at Arden's blood sugar. Cause here's what would happen. She was on injections and I thought I had it down to a science. I'd put Arden to bed with her blood sugar at like 165. And when she woke up in the morning, her blood sugar was 95. And I thought I had found this magic drift that happened from her bedtime till morning and it right. felt safe and it felt like it worked and everything. They put this blind sensor on her, which just meant I couldn't see what was going on. And then they read the report to me after it was on her for a week. 
And Arden's blood sugar was going down to like 48, like every night. Oh my gosh. It was, and, and for years I was literally like, this is, look how good I am at this. Like, that's what I kept thinking, you know, I'm so good at this. And, and so the initial thought, once you realize that Arden's blood sugar would drop to 48 and then probably her liver would kick in or something like that would happen and bounce her back up to the, you know, 90. Um, Uh once I realized that, like you just said, you just put it so kind of clearly and eloquently understanding what's happening, even when you're not looking at it, it brings you sort of a calm and it gives you the ability to react in the right places or be more okay. vigilant in the right places. Okay. The, the, that information is invaluable, whether it's that way or, you know, moment to moment, um, mm-hmm. you know, the way you have it when you can actually see the receiver. And now I have to say that I, when, when, when those wonderful people who came up with that whole idea of night scout and they hacked into the Dexcom, when they came up with that, I was really like, wow, this is fantastic. And mm-hmm. and to this day, I think it's absolutely fantastic. But my initial thought was to, wow, there's a lot here. There's a cell phone rigged together with a Dexcom. Now my kid's got to carry this with her all the time. Like it just seemed like, it seemed like a little too much to me. And it wasn't something mm-hmm. I could bring myself to get involved in. But having said that, when this receiver shows up tomorrow, you know, I guess I am going to be, I am going to now be aware of what Arden's blood sugar is constantly. I'm just going to try very hard not to pay attention to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually, I had coffee with a mom yesterday whose son has type 1, and he is 17 now. And she said it's becoming challenging because he's not really communicating to her all the time what his blood sugar is. And he's at that age where he wants some privacy. And she was saying, oh, I just wish that he would put on a Dexcom because then I would know what his blood sugar is, you know? And yeah. I was telling her about the share cause she didn't know about the share. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, maybe, maybe he will do it now because I won't even have to ask him what his blood sugar is. I'll just be able to check it on my own and I won't be bugging him. Right. Well, you know, so I thought that was interesting that, that even though she's getting more um, information from him, he may not be feeling like, you know, he may not be feeling bothered by her. Yeah. You Ar- know? Arden actually said to me last night, cause I said it's on its way and, and uh, she was excited because we have the share cradle and right. which by the mm-hmm. way, if just for overnights is absolutely amazing. Um, but mm-hmm. I guess obsolete all of a sudden, but she's right. going, she's going to a sleepover tomorrow night actually. And, and I said, Hey, it's coming. So you won't have to take the cradle with you and plug it in because even that doing that, like in front of all of her friends, even though all of her friends are completely aware of her diabetes, right. everybody's really supportive. You know, she plays on, on, you know, softball teams and things like that where everybody's, you know, absolutely 100% supportive she still got to kind of lug this kind of ugly gray thing out and plug it in and stick this other thing into it and now that's not going to have to happen so I was like I was telling her it's pretty exciting I think it's going to show as long as the snow doesn't mess it up you're going to have it on Friday and she her first reaction was happy about that and then she thought for a second and said can we turn off some of the alarms on my cell phone while I'm at school now that we have this and I thought I thought maybe we can like, like, let me see how this works because I'm trying to teach her to be like cognizant, like, you know, take a look every once in a while. Let's figure out at certain times what your blood sugar is, even without me being there. But it it occurred to me that I thought the tone of what she was saying was, I'd like you to take a little bit of this off my shoulders, like just a little bit. And so I'm Mm going to, I'm interested to see how that goes, but, but we'll find out obviously. You know, I, it's so refreshing for me to hear you say she's going to a sleepover. Well, first of all, Ali Lou's only five, so we don't have any sleepovers in the near future. But, mm-hmm. back, you know, back to the technology, it, it's liberating because, you know, I know that Ali Lou will go to a sleepover. You know, the parents obviously will have to be trained on glucagon and all of that. But, but I feel like it's something that, that it will be in her future, you right. know? And I think when she was first diagnosed before we had the Dexcom and all of that, I really didn't see that ever happening in her lifetime. I would not, um, I would, Arden would have never, I, I you know, it's funny. I, I, I guess I, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I think you can accomplish a sleepover without a Dexcom, but it's, it's a lot of taking another person saying to them, look, Hey, my kid's going to come over. She's going to play all night at your house. Then she's going to go to sleep. And then um, I need you to get up at one thirty, at three thirty. Can you be up at six after you're up at three thirty? Because uh, you know, and and so that kind of, it's hard to say to someone, I guess. Even people yeah. who you're close with, it's difficult to ask that of them. Um, right. But with the Dexcom, I've met some very nice people who you know are always like, "Just tell me what I need to do." 
And so we have this birthday party sleepover Saturday and then another one in two weeks. And I've already spoken to the parents and I said, look, here's what's going to happen. You know, I'm going to be able to see it too, but I'll actually, I'll, if you have an iPhone, I'll load this app onto your phone and we'll kind of change the, the threshold because our thresholds are pretty tight. Like uh, we be, you know, over 160 and under one and under 80. And so maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw that higher threshold a little Mm -hmm. higher for, you know, for the sleepover or something like that. Right. But you know, gosh, are you going to be all right getting up in the middle of the night? And everybody's always like, yeah, it's no problem. Don't worry about it. But at this, you know, but at the same time, I've had people tell me that and I've gone through long processes of explaining things to them. And when the rubber meets the road, they don't know what they're doing still. They're still lost. You you know what I mean? And it's understandable. It's completely understandable. But, you know, that's, you know, that's the, that's the, the leap you have to get over is that idea of like, what if she gets too low where she can't help herself or help this person through the situation? Right. And, and when you're as young as five, the, the ex, I, I don't think there should be much expectation that Allie Lou could handle her own low without some help. No, yeah. no. And, and actually it's been great. I mean, we just moved to a new community a year ago and I had a nice little network of friends in my other community who knew a little bit about her diabetes and, and they knew, you know, some, some general care mm-hmm. for her. Um, but we, I still wasn't really leaving her anywhere. And now that she's five and she's going to kindergarten and having playdates, I found a really nice, you know, probably like five moms who are totally trained. They text me the numbers and they would know how to use the glucagon. They don't give her shots, but it is really nice to have that, that circle of people you can count on. Right. Well, um, I want, I was going to say one more thing about go, the technology. Go, yeah, please. Um, as grateful as I am for the technology, I, I think not a day goes by where I'm not grateful for insulin. And, you know, my heart just breaks when I think about p- parents who lost their children, you know, and I, I think about, you know, a month before insulin was discovered, someone lost their baby. And then a month later, their child could have been alive, you know? And I, when I see Ali Lou, she's so vibrant and she's healthy and she's running around and she's playing with her friends and she's delighted with her life. I just feel so grateful that we live in a time where we have access to insulin. There is no better time to have type one diabetes than right now throughout history, you know, and, and hopefully that just keeps improving for people. And to your, to your larger point, there are, are far too many people who, don't have access to insulin because of, you know, financial reasons or insurance. And, and last summer I actually traveled to the Dominican Republic where, where children's families live. Sometimes families of four live on a thousand dollars a year and they get their diabetes supplies from, from like state run hospitals and they get one test strip per day. So oh. you, you understand you can't make it and they understand everyone understands you can't make any real decisions with one test strip a day. Oh my so they hoard them and take really good care of themselves four days a month. And that, wow. that was really, that was heartbreaking. Like I, I got to see really small children, you know, get their blood sugar tested and it was insanely high or insanely low. No one wow. knew, no one was, you know, there's no ability to try to track, to track, track, track it. And um, oh really, it, it's just a, you know, it's as close to a sin as I can imagine. So, wow. yeah, to your point, I'm very happy that there's there's uh, insulin in my refrigerator right now. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, Sarah, we're like right up on an hour. So, um, okay. as interesting as you are, I don't think we can go much longer <laughs> than this. Um, let's remind people real real quickly. Leaf and Love is at leafandlove.com. Are you on social media too? Can they find you like yeah, that? Yeah, we're on Facebook at Leaf and Love. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I saw I know and you have Instagram too. Instagram and Twitter. Yep. Look at that. Yep, we're on all and it's all Leaf yeah. and it's like at Leaf and Love and Love yeah. or and A N D. A N D. Yeah. Yes. So at L E A F A N D L O V E cool that's right all right well i can uh absolutely vouch for the lemonade now that i have some thank you for sending me a sample i really appreciate that you like it and uh it was really cool for you to sit with me and talk about uh about your life and and ali lou and and everything else that's going on with you and diabetes and i i'm really grateful that you came on thank you so much well thank you scott and i i've said this before but i love your podcast it's like having a friend in my kitchen when i do my dishes so see see, you know what's so (laughs) well i really appreciate that and what's so funny is um, the podcast is pretty new, but my blog's eight years old and you don't, you didn't know my blog, right? You just, no, 
No, the landscape is changing. I know the landscape is changing. And I think for me, the convenience of being able to listen to something while I fold my laundry. And I think just hearing your voice, like I, I was saying to you before, I feel like I have a friend who understands me and I, and you're talking to me. Yeah, well, you know? we're, we're all living a very and similar life. That's for certain. All living a very similar life. And when I start, you know, saying these things to my friends who aren't living this life, they, they're great, but they sort of get this glazed You've got like 30 like, seconds okay. before their good humor goes away. And then they're like, you have to stop talking yeah. about diabetes now. Yeah. So, so I really appreciate your podcast. Well, thank you for so coming thank on. you. If you're enjoying the juice box cop, let me try again. If you're ju- bleh, one more time. If you're enjoying the juice box podcast, please take time to review it on iTunes. Reviews help the ranking, makes the podcast more visible. Juiceboxpodcast.com. My type 1 diabetes parenting blog is at ardensday.com. Uh, Ardensday everywhere on social media. Juicebox podcast everywhere on social media. If you'd like to enter to try to get a chance to win some of Sarah's delicious organic lemonade juice boxes, there's entry there oh my god you hear my dogs that's basil he's barking i think that's going to be a staple on this podcast is that little puppy barking anyway if you want to join and he barks and i get confused if you'd like to enter the drawing the giveaway the call whatever you want for the organic lemon (laughs) he's gonna keep barking juiceboxpodcast.com ardenstay.com on the blog um and don't forget the coupon code is there in the show notes for $4 off Sarah's Lemonade on Amazon. I will leave you to Basil Barking. Basil, stop. I'm recording a podcast.